Well, welcome along, everyone. Episode 137 of Green and Gold Rugby's podcast. We're back for another week. We're about to enter week four. Super Rugby, I believe it is, having just gotten over week three. Well, some of us are over week three. I know I'm not, but we'll get onto that a little bit later. Uh, some guest hosts with us today. We've got Stu down there, grinning wildly down in Melbourne. How are you, Stu? How good is rugby, blokes? How good is it? How good is life? It's just... Oh. I'm so it hasn't worn off yet. I'm still, I'm still madly trying to keep all these lids on, but I tell you what, it's getting hard. Yeah, understandable. Uh, Steve down there in Canberra, how are you faring, mate? I'm not grinning as much as Stu is, but I'm <laughs> happy with the win on the weekend. But there's some uh, other bits and pieces to sort out yet. Being one D Pocock. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll get to that a bit later. That's but that's big news. Um, and I guess we might as well introduce Matt to in Sydney, mate. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Yes, I'm I'm full of the joys of life as well, I've got to say. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Well, I thought we might mix it up this week, guys, and just move straight ahead at the games next week, but won't bother looking back at last week's round. <laughs> Tars had the bye, so we can move on from you, Matt. We'll move straight on to the other guys. How's that sound? Uh, no, okay. All right. Well, let's, let's look back at... Um, Let's look back at the week that was, uh, touching very quickly on some of the results. The overseas results, Blues getting up over the Crusaders there. The Storm is just edging out the Hurricanes by a point. The Chiefs doing similar by two points over the Highlanders. And the Bulls bouncing back against the Lions uh, over there in South Africa. Just before we but, move on uh, to that, mate, can I just, the one point, are the Crusaders sucking us all in again? Or, or, or is the evil empire finally kind of being overthrown? No, well, I, I, look, I, I, I think... I think the the results show what's happening over there. I'm, I'm hearing stories that there's a bit of uh, dissension in the ranks and and, and the coaching uh, team don't have the authority or the uh, I guess the command over the playing group that uh, that once was. Yeah, well, it's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm there. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump to it. We're going to jump around a bit tonight because we, we do have another special guest coming on. So let's jump straight to the last Aussie game of the round, and it's the Western First Force who hosted the Brumbies, uh, which I think uh, we all tipped the Brumbies last week, but um, on the back of a, a fairly dismal first-round effort from the Force. Steve, why don't you talk us through the game from your perspective, mate? Well, the, um, the Brumbies did get the win, as we all know, but uh, it could have been a lot better on the try-scoring charts after the a sensational opening 20 minutes from the Brumbies where they'd scored the three tries. Um, and for some reason, they just came up short for the rest of the 60 minutes and didn't get that bonus point, which I hope doesn't come back to hurt them later on in the season. Yeah, so they raced out the three tries pretty quickly, as you say. And um, I guess some positives there. Jesse Mogger looked to bounce back, Steve. He looked, um, caused a bit of danger out wide. Yeah, as yeah. we would expect. Yeah, it looks, looks like he put the uh, the Reds game behind him. Uh, he's played quite well in that opening opening period. Uh, he scored a try himself, I, I think. I'm trying yep, to remember he did. back that yep, far. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think the yellow card he received was a little bit 
dubious, considering I saw some other incidents of similar magnitude go unpunished during the round. But um, yeah, he's, he's a confidence player, and I hope that um, that'll bring put him uh, his head right for the rest of the next few rounds, at least. Mm. Well, can I can yeah. I jump in, can I jump in there because I thought that first that half an hour, and actually, Bob Dwyer said it, I think, in his article on Gaga this week, was that. That was like one of the best half an hours of rugby I think I've seen out of the Brumbies for a long time. I mean, you know, even in their great season last season, um, I'm not sure they played rugby as complete as that. It was, you know, for that half an hour, unfortunately, it wasn't the rest of the match, but that was just, it was unstoppable, wasn't it? It was just round the corner, wave upon wave of forwards running onto the ball, quick clear out from white, but then they were unstoppable out wide. And, and, and you're talking about the Mogster. He seemed to comp- almost try to make up for last week's aberration in one game. I mean, it was impressive stuff. Yeah, well, that opening, I think the force barely touched the ball in the opening 10 minutes except to, to restart the match. Yeah, no, it was... And there was some um, fairly silky skills from one Scott Fardy there with another flick pass yeah. in the lead-up to his own try. So it looks like he's continuing that um, trend of flick passes for try assists. <laughs> yes. Well, we know he's an X12, isn't he? He's, he's he confided in green and gold rugby that, so he's obviously not giving that passion for playmaking away. Well, you know, there could be a spot available in the back line sometime soon. You never know. Yeah, I'll say, can we talk about that? I mean, how how long can we keep playing with, you know, can he can that guy really keep playing rugby? I mean, I would have thought, you break your, your neck once, Doc says, taps you on the shoulders, maybe, maybe, maybe not, mate. You know, you, you, you do it twice, you think, okay, that's got to be game over. I mean, what, is, is, it, is it his neck again? Uh, yeah, this time around it was apparently just a muscular uh, type of injury, so not the, the bone again, which thank God for that, because you know, he's broken the same bone twice, apparently, so if that had been three times, you'd think that uh, it'd be three strikes and out. But um, his his um, injury has been hugely overshadowed by the, the knee injury to David Pocock, which we still haven't had any result from because two lots of scans have both come up inconclusive. So there must be something wrong there, and I fear the longer this takes to get a result out of, uh, it could be some bad news. Yeah, it's worrying for both sides. I agree with you. Poor Pat McKay... Uh You've just got to wonder. There comes a stage, as you say, gags that um, they've just got to pull the pin for safety's sake. Surely there's duties of care they've got to consider. I mean, I'm sure he's getting the best medical advice, but uh, those types of injuries, let alone concussion, anything to do with your neck, you, you don't want to muck around with those. Yeah. Um, and then poor Polly. I mean, there's a collective groan across Australian rugby, and not, you know, not from a Wallaby perspective, just because Poey's a. Everyone's a fan of Poey. He's a. He's a a great guy, a fantastic player, a wonderful leader. And after the year he had last year and he missed the Lions games and, and, and whatnot, the last thing anyone wanted was for him to go down again. So I know we're all sort of waiting anxiously to see how, uh, how he fares and, and whether we'll see him back this season. There's been a few conflicting stories there, Steve. I heard someone even suggest that it might only be a six- to eight-week thing, but I guess that's still just plucking out of the air at the moment. Yeah, well... Like I said, he's had two scans. He's been had one after the game and then um, has been to see the surgeon that operated on his knee last year and apparently they've come up inconclusive as well. So I'm not quite sure what the next step will be, but there must be, like I said, there must be something there to cause this problem because I would have thought if it was a clear cut, everything's fine, they would have said so by now or if it was something worse than that, it would have been out straight away with the advances in medical technology these days. They can find 
those sorts of things pretty quickly. Mm. So can I throw in here with like a compl- like a real little pub story? A good mate of mine, Ben, who will know who he is as he listens to this. Um, and, and, and the veracity of this story is as good as he said to me. Um, he told me the story, and I went, "Oh, really?" And he said, "Well, I thought you told me that." So um, that's that's, that's <laughs> how serious the story is. But it goes along the lines that yeah, I mean that you know people are aware that you know Poe's knees um, aren't good. And you know, this could be a longer-term thing, which would be horrific if it was the case. I mean, you're just hoping, you know, it's just like a little tear or niggle or something like that and gets done. But, you know, well, you know. And, but I think this is back to the, the rest of the story. It's around it because he's, he's just too muscular. His knees can't take it. So there you go. Maybe <laughs> any, any surgeons out there can put us right. <laughs> well, I, I, have, I, have a, I have a slightly more, um, uh, I'll say, voracious story than, um, than gags in that yeah. I – actually injured my knee in uh, playing rugby last year. And I can kind of see where um, where Poe's surgeons are coming from because when I did my knee, it was originally diagnosed as an ACL and then as something else and then as something else. And then even after we had the MRI and after I went into surgery to get it cleaned up, uh, the final diagnosis was... Uh, something completely different, but the ACL was completely intact. So it's not as easy as you as you think, even with all the advances in in medical science, to to just put a label on it. And, he, and, he and I know your surgeon as well, Dennis Denudo, and uh, <laughs> he's pretty top rack. <laughs> it was it, yeah, it was it was the vibe of the thing, you know. It was, and, and Stu, was your, yours related to your massive upper body as well? Was it that was, the issue there? It was. Um, you know, well, I'm just I'm just going from one star athlete to another. Um, you know, I shared David's pain. Um, I've been there, and I have now returned to uh, the top flight, and that I'm finally on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I, heard know, your, I heard it was your ankle muscles, mate. That, that, that <laughs> tore it. Me. Um, uh, this is, see, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give you some help here, guys. I'm trying to give you something to go on here. And, I appreciate and all, that. All I'm, all I'm getting is just attitude. I don't <laughs> Look, Steve, I want to get back to you guys in the game quickly. Is a bit of bad news there. We've lost Poe. We've lost McCabe, you'd suggest. But you had a couple of players back in the starting line, uh, team Sorry, uh, with Tavita Kurandrani. And Robbie Coleman, who, who who both performed pretty well on the weekend, I thought. Yeah, Robbie Coleman, he's been uh, playing quite. He played quite well in the trial matches, so for him to make the starting team was wasn't a real surprise. And he's been pretty pretty pacey type of character, and that showed with the try that he's managed to score. And uh, he had a few line breaks too, which was was pretty good. And uh, Kurandrani coming back into the starting team, um, obviously he went off towards the end with some cramp. After I believe it was in the mid 30s over there during the day, and so um, I thought he played reasonably well uh, to put in. I think it was about 65 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess I, I want to name one more standout from my perspective was was Sam Carter at lock as well. I thought he was um, fantastic. I think he got a bit of a uh, you know a, a rocket shot up his bum pre-season to to fire up a little bit, and I thought he showed that um, on the weekend. He was a, another very powerful performance. Uh, yeah, Stu, yeah. Stu, did you want to add anything here? Um, we, we talked a lot about the the perspective of the, uh, of the game uh, for the Brumbies. What do you what do you guys think of the force? Because they went uh, scoreless for seventy minutes, and 
you know, we, we talked about the first half an hour being really great for the Brumbies. Is, was it a Robbie Deans kind of scenario of you can only play who you're up against? Uh, you can only play what's in front of you? Um, was it the Brumbies being, was it the Brumbies being good or was it the force just not turning up for another week? I would say it was a bit of both there. The Brumbies blitzed them in the first part, and then it, I don't understand why it took 77 minutes, I think, for them to get on the scoreboard after they'd made a heap of changes. And they just seemed to have no direction and waited until the last couple of minutes to show what they could do, and they scored those two late tries. Mm. Because they, uh, you're right, for the first half an hour, they got basically none of the ball. And then they started to, to win a few breakdowns and to start to get some possession, but when they finally got it, they just didn't know what to do with it. They'd send it wide, then send it to the other wing and make no ground, and it was just easy pickings for the Brumbies. So I'm not sure, as a uh, from a force perspective, you know, how do you build on that? Yeah, yeah, I, and I think if we had Ben here from last week, he, he'd be shrugging his shoulders as well, which doesn't come across good on a podcast, but... Um, no. but I don't think the questions are out there. Sorry, I don't think the answers are out there. They looked uninspired, uh, mm. which is a shame for their first home game of the season. So, look, uh, we'll have to see how they go this week versus uh, your boys. Um, I would expect a few changes to that team once again. But we're going to move on, guys, to our next game. And for that, we've got another very special guest. So hold on to your, uh, hold on to your seats for a second. And we're going to get this guy in and we're going to talk on to our next game, the Melbourne Rebels. Thank you very much. We're going to move on to this next game of the round now, which is the mighty Melbourne Rebels, who defeated the Cheetahs 35-14. to 14. And before Stu can jump in and tell us how well they're doing, we've got a very special guest for us. It's Max Layif from the Melbourne Rebels. He's new to the Rebels this year. Max, thanks a lot for joining us. No, I'm not a problem, boys. Mate, before we get into this game, we want to find out a bit more about you. You're new to the club, as we say, and you're in fact uh, new to Australia somewhat. Um, give us a bit about your background. You've uh, come to the Rebels from the Irish, is that correct? Yeah, from from London Irish down in um, down in Sunbury, um, like down in London. Um, my um, my dad is Australian. He's from Albany Creek in Queensland. Ah, oh, um, Queensland. Yeah. Yeah, Queenslander, unfortunately, nice. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh yeah, I've, yeah, we got real strong family ties over here. Got a few cousins and uncles and stuff, and um, I spent quite a lot of time there growing up and, and all that. So yeah. So you spent a bit of time here growing up, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spent a fair bit. Like, I'm uh, not like living here. I just spent yeah. like uh, lots of stuff, like lots of English summers here. Yeah. Excellent, like, Stu. Did you want to chime in before I try to claim him too strongly as a Queenslander? Yeah, before you uh, before you put on your recruiter's hat, um, Max, let's get the question that everyone wants everyone wants to know out of the way. Your gym records at the Melbourne record at the Melbourne Rebels. Um, can you rattle them off for us? What's your bench currently? <laughs> uh, it's around two hundred. Two hundred kilos. Just the two hundred. Around there. Just two hundred. That's all right. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and your um and your squat. Oh, uh, box squat the other day we did a, oh, I did like 265 or 270 for a few. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's been a yeah, big pre-season, be... pal. Yeah. <laughs> well, so how, how have you found the pre-season coming into the Rebels? Because um, 
I remember reading an article uh, about you over the preseason, and you mentioned such things as you know the gym culture in Northern Hemisphere football is a, is a lot more prevalent than in the South, which meant that your preseason uh, led to a lot of time outside in the lovely Melbourne heat. How'd you find that? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was it was real different. Like for one, the um, the length of it was just oh, it was. It was hard, man. It was just so much longer than what I'm used to. Because usually back in back in the UK, we have about an eight-week preseason. Yeah. Over here, we're having like over three months, and it was just brutal. But yeah, it puts you in good like a good good place before the game start. But there's a lot more running as well, like because the game's a lot faster. Guys are looking to play a lot more. Mm. Um, whereas back in the UK, it's, there's a lot more kind of set piece oriented games in a way. So. So is, it, is, that, is that the um, is that the main difference you've noticed between uh, your experiences against Super Rugby opponents in the trials and uh, and last week against the Cheetahs, yeah, uh, depending to Premiership Rugby? Uh, yeah, it's just a lot quicker. Like you just the ball the ball's out and the breakdowns, are, uh, in my opinion, is a bit it's a lot more combative. Like it's a, little, it's a lot more violent. And, like really understanding from players and stuff. Yep. Around the breakdown area, it's, it's, it's just a bit better. A lot, there's a lot better ball snappers, like sevens and stuff like that over here. Mm-hmm. Where in England, there's a lot of like seven and a half and six and a half. Not yeah. quite sevens, like sixes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Max, um, pre-season when you were signed and sort of late last year and whatnot, there's a lot of talk a lot by the likes of Stu on our forum that watch, and I remember he came on once after you see, saw you maybe at a fan or something early season, just literally gushing about the size of you. It was yep. incredible. It's just so enthusiastic. I don't actually have a question about that, but I just wanted to make it awkward next time Stu saw you. No, uh, no, no. I've, I've, I've pointed this out that I, um, I met all of the new boys uh, in their first week of orientation, and um, I met Max, and just, dear God, man, <laughs> how do you walk around? <laughs> so I think you're, you're you're six foot one, and you're. I, I don't think you can fit through conventional doors. Is that true? Yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try, man. Yeah, we just go through go through it sideways, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so you made it awkward. I just raised the bar there, yeah, mate. So. Well done. <laughs> well, look, I, I've got a very serious question to straighten this out a bit, mate. So you've come from London Irish. So you're obviously a straight yep. straight swap for um, uh, uh, James O'Connor. How, how would you compare oh, your games? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I went. I went back. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit more finesse over on my part, I reckon. Mate. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Uh, yeah. Were you still there in the squad when he when he was there uh, last season? Uh, no, I went I went back over over Christmas just to catch up and stuff. All the boys down there, I met him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah I he was a top man. Yeah, really, yeah. Did, was a good bloke. Yeah. Did they have him in check? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, I mean, he's he's like in London. I think, mate. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and that's enough about that. Um... Yeah, well, can I ask a question, Stu, before you go on? Similar to that, Max, the Rebels are, you know, obviously a, a relatively new club and, and, you know, we all want them to do well and, and whatnot. They haven't been around for long and, and, and I guess their, you know, their troubles and, and whatnot uh, on the field and somewhat off have been relatively well documented. How did you find them walking into there? What was the culture like? What, what was your immediate perception of them as an organisation? When I 
the, from when I've started the season. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's one of the best coaches I've been a part of. But without doubt, like, the setup that uh, Dump uh, Tony's put in place is ridiculous. Like, it's just, it's, it's elite. It's, it brought in Bryce Cavanaugh, uh, the second conditioner, who's the best conditioner I've been, been with. I mean, he's got the, all the, and he's got all the boys in like, Really good, Nick, and um, and and Dumper's created an environment where you just want to you just want to do well for him. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's just a top man, and he he knows the game very well, and he's very exacting about exactly what he wants from from the players. He's got these set standards. If you don't meet them, you're in trouble. <laughs> so, um, but you don't want to do bad. He's like he's like a like a dad or something. You know, you just want to do well by him, and um, that's the kind of culture. To be honest, like it's, it's really tip top, mate. Yeah. Would you say it's a championship like, winning culture, Max? <laughs> Ooh. I, no, that I, wasn't a question. I just want you to say it's a championship winning culture. It's, <laughs> it's a championship winning culture. There we go. Okay. <laughs> right. But and who's, who's the enforcer then, mate? You were saying that you know you, you don't want to you know you don't want to stuff up. Is 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 Dumper the enforcer, or is there somebody else? Oh yeah, no, D- Dumper's 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 the enforcer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and what does it what does it look like? Laps around the oval, or is it just a spray? What do you get? Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty visceral spray. Yeah, it's <laughs> impressive. It's impressive to watch when he goes. Yeah, he's a no, good, he's, good he's infective. A good man. Okay. Yeah, very infective. But, uh, but Tony, uh, Tony McGann has put uh, a much larger emphasis than uh, previous Rebels coaches on forward play and phased play. Uh, have you noticed the uh, the forward pack uh, getting, uh, or has it been a positive that kind of emphasis uh, in the game plan for you guys, or has it been you know, extra work, extra pressure to um to make the game plan work for the for the pack. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. No, it's, it's it's. I think it just it's just come naturally, sort of, just the way he's drilled it into us. Like he, it's. I think it's a defensive mindset as well. Like mm. obviously, expect obviously expects with the, the set piece like scrub and line out, which um which is which Matt Bain coaches really well. But like um um it's a defensive thing that's real. Is really drilled. Like there's a really, really strong system in place there, and like, um, but yeah, in terms of the set piece and the forward play, he's trying to he tries to get us into the game. I think um, as early as possible. Yeah, to just get yeah. us yeah get us in there. Yeah, the the set plays are interesting. Interesting, Max, because um, uh, the scrum I noticed last week against the cheaters was excellent, but uh, the two cheaters tries came from uh, rolling malls. At uh, after a defensive lineout for the Rebels, uh, how do you think you went? How did Tony think you went after the game? Um, he was he was very he was he was he was happy, he was very happy for us, like because of all the yeah. kind of hard work after the preseason wins and mm. we'd never beaten the Cheaters and stuff. So he was, he was really happy. It was like a I think it might have been our biggest win in a combat. It, it was it was the Rebels' biggest yeah, win. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it was. He was very happy, but he, he was he was adamant about being grounded and that we were going to be up against a, a tough side this weekend. Like Hodger, like got his, he's getting his hundredth game and stuff, so it's going to be. It's, it's yeah, he's, he's he's made sure he's stayed stayed with our feet on the ground, and we've worked on that more. Be just to tie that up and just be a lot a lot harder there. Yep. 
Let, let's um, stick on the game, guys. We'll get into a bit more detail about the um, the actual results. So Rebels obviously got up 35-14 over Cheetahs. I think it was a 17-0 at half time, maybe. A very dominant performance. Uh, one, two, five tries. Lockie Mitchell, uh, Woodward, Burgess, Hegarty, and, and bloody Scotty Higginbotham. I want to talk a bit more about him later. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Try of the fan- millennium, that was. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, yeah, game all round, and I, I, this is this is what ever is so enthusiastic about it. it. Was as much the nature of the game as the result itself. Everyone's very happy for the Rebels to ever win, but they played so damn well. Um, Max, was that you know that's to be expected? There's a lot of hard work this off season. You were confident going into the game. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we we went in we went and tried to do what we did through the preseason game, which is um, just like uh, suffocate teams with defence and just try and get a lot of turnovers. And from turnovers, score score lots of points. And um, in terms of that, I thought, I thought we did really well there. Yeah. We yeah. Um, done. Yeah. Well, uh, you're you're right there in that the the thing that got me about this game was not so much the result, but the the way in which the result was attained. It was the most dominating performance I've ever seen a Melbourne Rebels team um, pull out. And one thing that really got me was the work rate, especially the forwards. Um, I think we had an article about it on on Gaga this week in that the the top three um, hard-working Aussie players for uh, for this week were uh, were Rebels, Higginbotham, Jones and Pyle, and there's Pat Liafra in fifth. So four of the five... Um, who really, uh, really hit the stat sheet hard were from the Melbourne Rebels. Has that been something that that Tony has impressed upon you, Max? The you know, always keep yeah, working, ne- never concede defeat at a um, at a set play. Yeah, yeah. So when I first joined the club, and he was talking to me about the main differences between um, play, uh, like playing the normal hamstring and here was how much more work as an individual you'll have to do, like more repetitions and stuff. And brought over, obviously, as I mentioned, brought over Bryce from Monster as well, who's um, like given us really a lot, of, a lot of running for our legs and stuff. So we're going quite confident about our, like our fitness capabilities and what we can generate in a game. And we felt like we're, um, yeah, we're there, you know, like through the whole 80 minutes, we're, we're, we're just hissing, you know. So it, yeah. it feels not. It feels awesome to be that way for, for a game. It's fantastic. So, mate, let me let me jump in for a sec. So, you're you're a loose head, I think, if I've got that right. Um, loose head. Yeah. Part. And so, how are you finding it? So, you were talking yourself about the differences between the Northern Hemisphere rugby and uh, Southern Hemisphere. Obviously, the focus on set piece. Are you finding it? You know, what, what are the differences there? Are you, are you finding it much difference when you're when you're packing down as far as who you've been coming up against so far? Well, the main thing is I haven't really been able to use the new scrummaging rules over in um. Obviously, I left when I do implemented it, so I was still in the old rules over in it. Right. But so far, I've really enjoyed them, and mm-hmm. I've I've had some success. I've had a fair bit of success at least. Um, yeah. And yeah. We've, I think, as a scrum at the moment, we're going. We've taken over pretty nicely. I mean, hasn't been perfect, but what about the uh, the tight five at the Rebels, Max? Because uh, of all the the chops and changes at the Rebels over the past well, four years now, the tight five have been probably the most uh, solid, and they haven't changed that much. Uh, how have you found breaking into that structure? 
and being a part of that oh. structure? Um, oh, it's been awesome. Like all the, the social, like the boys there have um, been awesome. Like it's, it's a very social environment, and they've really, um, they really welcomed all the new lads like me, me, um, Toby, and stuff. And easy, like it's been, it's been awesome. And um, yeah, there are some good relationships there. You can tell some of the boys have been around each other for ages, and it, we're just we're just now part of the furniture. So that's awesome. That's great. You're obviously settling in pretty well, Max. So I put it out on Twitter to a few of your teammates to um, give us a bit of an insight, and it was all very positive. But we know we all know that Laurie Weeks is the people's champ. But uh, you'll be glad to know that you, you're, you're, man, pushing up your bum there. Hugh Pyle has come out and said you're actually a better people's champ. So that's uh, quite prestigious. Oh, jeez. Oh, hello. Uh, Ruction. Yeah. Yeah. Better leave that alone, Division. Division. Yeah, we don't want any more team division. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Guys, I want, I want to talk about it, three uh, individual performances, and, and one I want to get some comment from you on, Max, quickly. But there's three guys I thought who are actually absolute standouts, or, or at least very notable performances. One was uh, obviously Tamati Ellison in the, in the backs there, who, who was very dominant in attack and defence. The second was the young teenager who we talked about last week as a bit of a surprise selection, but he had a blinder, I thought. And the, boy McMahon. McMahon. the boy McMahon. The boy McMahon. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, surely. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about him quickly, Max. I mean, he's obviously, we know about him. He played schoolboys, uh, sorry, played sevens as a schoolboy and he's sort of come through the system. He's probably graduated a lot quicker than a lot of people have. He's had a good off-season, I assume. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's, Oh man, like real intense character when he gets on the field. Like he's just hard, real grizzly kind of player. Not cases, what you're trying to say. No, he's he's in preseason. He was an animal. Like, I was like surprised by how young he was. He was just killing it. It was awesome to watch. Yeah. Just tackle after tackle works. Like you know, he like works so hard to get into good positions. And then when he, he's just there the whole time, like uh, I could see exactly why. Um, um, done to start. Um, he's, he's just had such a phenomenal preseason, and clearly from the Cheaters game, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fluke. I mean, yeah, he, deserve, he deserves to be where he is. I suspect yeah, yeah, yeah. a play like that, Matty Cobain probably had a bit of a say in his selection too. Matty was a very similar player. Would have loved to yeah. see that sort of performance. But yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to agree with that. It's um, it's it was one of those things where. Everyone was asking who he was when he was selected, and then about ten minutes into the game, you're like, "That's why." Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. yeah. But now, 11, this... 11 tackles and uh, and one line break that set up a try. So he had a very, very great game, Sean McMahon. Yeah, correct. Now the other standard is the obvious one: is Stoggy, Scotty Higginbotham, mate. We saw him play last year, and unfortunately he missed um, the Lions series, and he could have been critical for us in that. And he's He's just his game's just gone to another level, admittedly since he's gone to the Rebels. Um, <laughs> he was fantastic for the Reds, but it, it's it is at another whole level uh, now. And he had a, a, another blind on the weekend, producing two individual pieces of magic that led to tries, one to him for himself um, and one for was it Woodward scored the other one, the, the chip. Yeah, um, Woodward. But uh, tell me about Higgins as a player. But then I'm keen to know about Higgins as a captain because we all know Australia's probably. Uh, potentially looking for a new captain at the moment. Higgins' name hasn't been mentioned a lot, but I'd suggest as this season progresses, it might be one that might be advanced. So, Max, tell us about Scotty. 
Yeah, Scotty is like the Mr. Cool of rugby, to be honest. He's, um, <laughs> he's just, he makes everything look so effortless, look, and he just does it on, he just pulls out something outrageous, never expect a guy like an eight to do. It's just, he's just such a well-rounded footballer. Like, he's just, yeah, real complete. Runs awesome lines, does like expect the things like that kick, and that was outrageous. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then like, yeah, in defence, he works bloody hard, and like, runs, runs are just as hard. And, as a captain, yeah, he's been awesome. Like, I love being around him. Like, he'll never ask you to do anything he wouldn't do. Um, it's just, yeah, he's, 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 he's a really complete player, in my opinion. Okay. And, mate, um, what, what sort of a, and so what sort of a um, captain is he? I mean, what, you know, is he fire and brimstone? Is he just quiet word? Is it just by example? What, what's it like? Uh, yeah, he's, no, he's, he's definitely more of a quiet word, lead by example kind of guy. Like, um, yeah. He, I think no, he, he can get rolled up, and then he'll, he'll do a bit of fire under time. But mm. at the beginning, that he just expects, you know what I mean? And um, all the boys do well by him. Like he's a really well liked guy in the squad. Like tremendous boy, really nice. He, he's been one. He's been one of the good mates. One that's up in there. He's been awesome. Yeah. Um, did you did you manage to catch how uh, how long at training he was practicing his kicking? Because that 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 crossfield kick was. Uh, was extraordinary. He doesn't do any practice for that sort of stuff. That's what's freakish. Like he did that at Albury to the grubber through for Benny Me, and it was he just does it when he feels like it. <laughs> on, <laughs> he just turns it on. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Max, uh, when you when you first came down to the Rebels, uh, almost immediately a a prop starved media. Uh, looked at you and and Toby Smith and and said you and Mackenzie should look out for these guys as Australian qualified players. Uh, I guess what I'm asking is what what do you want to achieve this season? Uh, are you are you focused on the Rebels or are, uh, is one eye uh, on the green and gold? Um, I'm definitely focused on the Rebels. I just want to. I really want everyone here to do well. I want to do well. I want to. I've come from a club that we were struggling at, and I just want to be successful for a while. You know, win a few games and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's my main focus. But obviously, one eye is on on the green and gold line. It'd be a tremendous honour. It'd be it'd be, very, it'd be a massive privilege for me to on the jersey. Um, you know, as long as I just imagine, as long as my as the rebels do well, boys are doing well. If you're in a good team, you're going to. It only goes to show that you probably get picked to the Bumbies last season. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of my um, mindset on it, really. Awesome. We'll win the championship first, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll get that gold jersey for you. <laughs> yeah, just one season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Max, we're going to wrap it up there, mate. Really appreciate your time. We're going to let you go and get back to uh, whatever you have to get back to. But, mate. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Congrats on the debut for the, uh, the Rebels in the weekend. We wish you best of luck this weekend coming up versus the Force um, and indeed for the rest of the season, mate. But really appreciate you coming on and, and um, spending some time with us and want to try and get you back later in the season as well. Oh, cheers, boys. Any time. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Max. Thanks, cheers, Max. Go Rebels. No worries. <laughs> Catch you later, boys. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Right there, right there. Awesome. How good was that? Max Layer from the Melbourne Rebels. 
And that wraps us up for round three, correct? We'll move on to round four now. No, nah, hang on. No, no. And also, I just wanted to say I was disappointed with the way he pronounces his name. Because I, I, I did want to say um, I keep Lahif in the jar beside the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but never got the chance. So I'm pretty gutted. Oh. <laughs> uh, nice just bring um, in the jokes. Is that an edit question? Bring in the dad jokes. <laughs> um, all right. Look, speaking of disappointing, um, let's move on to the <laughs> the Waratahs versus Reds. Oh, um, high oh, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously the Waratahs got up 32-5, smashed it. You know, Izzy beat us on his own, effectively. But um, it was a it was an excellent performance by the Waratahs. And and Matt, jump in. Just tell us, give us your perspective of the game, mate. Well, first of all, I'd just like to say, Reg, that I heartily concur with your earlier, you know, in our last podcast, indeed. So people can go back and listen to it about how you and I both agreed that this would be the decisive point in the season. Um, this would be the turning point for both teams as to you know how they would progress. I think I changed my mind. And uh, <laughs> and um, you know yeah, happily for us, um, yeah, we smashed you. Um, look, uh, I I think as you've said, and actually I've been really impressed by the graciousness of all the Reds supporters, pretty much on um, on at least the front page. I think it might have got a bit squirrely in the forum at times. I was going to say you had to add in that pretty much there, didn't you? Just as a little proviso. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think most people have said, yeah, because I think the Waratahs blew us all away. I don't think any of us was expecting that sort of a margin. Um, and also the, the the style of it. I mean, I was just having a look at um, some of the stats uh, just um, just now. And I think one of the uh, the bigger stats was, you know, in rucks lost over the games, over the match, it was three... Uh, the Waratahs lost three and the Reds lost nine. Um, and I think that's probably kind of tells the tale a little bit or gives a hint at just what the Waratahs came out and did. They were just really, really, um, you know, just vicious at the breakdown and around the tackle area. Um, and actually, I was out and I had to watch and replay the first um, the first half again. And knowing what the result was uh, and, and then saying, geez, what happened? And you could just see written all over the Reds' face, faces for that first 10 minutes was just what the hell is this because it was just you know getting caught behind the game line the whole time um and just that just kind of broke up the whole play and all and everything kind of fell apart um after that uh and the tars i mean i guess the thing that was amazing there not just if it wasn't the work around the breakdown it was uh the hand the ball handling um those passes just keep sticking it was a bit of a greasy night i understand it had been raining pretty much all day it didn't rain during the game too much um but you know they were throwing the ball around and they really managed to keep hold of it um and they played real hard on the advantage line stuff uh bernard foley and and kirtley beale you know lots of flat passes passes lots of flat running uh it was just impressive stuff uh and then yes uh izzy falau another two tries to make it five and two games which is pretty mind-blowing um, but you know, really, he was on the end of those those part those movements. You know, they were sort of things that the whole you know team were involved with, both forwards and backs. Um, and it was you know it was just you know just good stuff, just impressive. Yeah, it was. Because I was, I, I was really uh, impressed by Bernard Foley this week. I think he was quiet last week, and some people sort of questioned his form, but I thought he was fantastic this weekend. You know, a massive matchup for him against Quade Cooper there, the incumbent Wallaby uh, fly half and indeed vice captain. But I thought Foles was fantastic. And there's an interesting comment by, I think it's Peter Beetham, um, uh, in the fight for this game that he's just loving all the focus that Beal and Israel are getting because he's just 
sneaking up and scoring tries on the inside. He said he read it perfectly for that try of his where he could just see all eyes on Beal and he knew if he lingered her out there, he'd get the ball and he could, he, there'd be a chance for a try and it's exactly what happened. So there, there is a lot of danger in that team across the park. Um, once again, you know, Parler was fantastic. Uh, was very good. Um, it was, it's Steve Hoyles. You know, let's talk about Steve Hoyles. What a comeback for him. He was fantastic in his first Super Rugby game for many a year. Yeah, no, he was indeed. I mean, the guy who, Izzy always gets the uh, plaudits and I think it's actually in his contract to get <laughs> man of the match. But, um, the, I mean, the guy who stood out for me in this game was Michael Hooper. I thought he was absolutely yeah. everywhere. He was just, it, all the Queensland's backs, kind of worst nightmare, as in just, you know, uh, any time they hit, he, he was hitting them as the ball was hitting them most times. Um, and he just kept going and kept going. So, yeah, if he wasn't doing that, he was he was running. The one guy, the one person who wasn't a Melbourne Rebel who managed, who got into the kind of the work rate freaks from the stats point of view, um, was actually Cliffy Palu. So mm. somebody who gets kind of labelled with being a bit lazy or a bit slow, and um, you know his his stats were really impressive and a really high tackle count um, to go with his runs. So and yet again he made a massive uh, a massive impact I thought. But one of the things, I mean, you read Bob Dwyer's articles over the years. And, you know, the thing he goes on about with fly half play and the bit he keeps giving Quaid a hard time about, um, but is that his whole thing is, look, the first movement of any fly half as he receives the ball should be straight ahead. Um, and what is, that's one of the things where you watch... Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> Bernard Foley, I want to say Michael Foley. Bernard Foley is that that's his instinctive reaction. As the ball, as he hits the ball, he's usually, you know, his first two or three steps are always, you know, pretty much straight ahead. Um, and it, that, it's amazing the difference it makes. Um, it does mean it cuts, cuts down some of the fancy kind of running around the side and other options. But as far as setting a back line going forward and getting them to play flat on that advantage line, um, it really, really seems to work. The other thing that that back line seems to be doing is just, you know how a lot of teams uh, have plays that are kind of dummy plays, but in the end of the day, you know they're a dummy play. So, like, the Wallabies under uh, Robbie Deans, you know, they, they had those two lines um, of attack. And you always knew it was going to go to the second line, right? Um, and it was just whether it could get out to the wing fast enough to maybe get around somebody. Uh, but with the Waratahs, that's not the case. So, you know, there's a number of times where actually they used the, the front wave um, with a, you know, crazily flat pass. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and they use the inside ball a lot as well. Um, and then they can also put it wide through, you know, through Beal out to the wing. So if you're a backline trying to mark those guys and you look at the guys you're talking about, I mean, no one of them is a slouch. Every one of them is a bit of an electric runner. Probably Adam Ashley Cooper is the guy who's a little bit more predictable out of the bunch, right? Um, and he's, yeah. not, he's no slouch himself. So I can only think that as an opposition backline, you know, you know that there's no givens, right? There's no, oh, this is just going to be yet another, you know, um, two-phase or two-attack um, line play. We can just drift out. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, and I think that's where they're causing a lot of uh, headache as well. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, it's not much I can say to counter that, to be honest. I'm not in a position to argue, but they, they, they looked... I think you're exactly right. Across the board, they look fantastic. And, and Adam Ashley Cooper, you know, this 80-test veteran, um, like you say, is, is, I guess you'd call him the most solid of them, but it's such a such a reliable player. Uh, Nick Phipps is another one who I thought who had a much better game. His clearance was, was excellent. Um, and you're right about Bernard, and that's a, the big Randwick play, isn't it? He, that's what Ellie used to do well, is take the back line forward, and that's what Foley's doing there. Michael Chico, obviously, a, a, a Randwick boy at heart. Uh, Steve, from your perspective, mate, I, I, you know, 
I'm biased. Um, I can't stand up for the Reds too much in this one. What, what do you think of the game? Well, what surprised me the most was um, how different the Reds were against the Waratahs compared to the Brumbies game. They looked like a completely different side, on, uh, but on paper they were, they were the same. and They just seemed to be shell-shocked with the ferocity of the Waratahs at the breakdown. And I think it was a, you know, an indication of the game that the Reds were just weren't going anywhere to the point that uh, Will Guinea was yanked with maybe 20 minutes to go. And I'm like, no, that's, that's, I think that's a fair indication of how the Reds are travelling if, if Guinea gets yanked early. And um, just the, the back line just couldn't seem to get anything going at all when they actually did get the ball. And um, watching them kick it back to the back three of the Waratahs, Falau, Beatham and Alofa, it's not, I wouldn't think that'd be your number one um, game plan for sure. And that's what frustrates me is, is, is Guinea said that exactly after the match. We talked all week about um, controlling when we brought Falau and those boys into the game. We didn't want to kick it to them, but they did. I, I just, it frustrates me to see that happen in the game where it's, if there's anything that's obvious, it's don't kick it to those guys. Mm. But come on, come on, Reg, then yeah, break the shackles, mate. Who In a losing red side, who do you think held, it, held their heads up? Oh, it's ironic to say Heather. I still think our backup row did all right. I mean, at least um, Quirky and, and Gill, they got through a, a, a might of work. Um, Lockie Turner scored a try. Um, I, you know, I, I can't say. I'm, I'm disappointed with this Reds team. They, I get this feeling, we talk about this when we talk about the next week's game, that they, there's not much spark to them. There's no one really... Um, Dynamic is going to change things up. You know, obviously we've got Quaid there, but he he seems to be on his own lonesome a bit there. I, I do think Kev played well again. He was he, he was strong and tight, but um, other than Quirky and Gill, yeah, I don't think there was much more who who could really take much out of the game. It just seemed to be the usual suspects for the Reds. Meanwhile, the Waratahs seemed to have uh, those other people that weren't the high priority for the defence. Like with Beatham, he just said, like you said before, if you just follow Beal around. Um, they'll, his, their attention will be on him and that try he scored, he just knew where to be and the gap opened up and went through untouched, basically. He did. Too, too easy. There's, there's a lot of um, a lot of gaps found there, which for a team uh, that does pride themselves on the defence, and as you say, we had a really good defensive effort the week, weekend before versus the Brumbies. We had our captain of the defence, Anthony Finger, back in the starting team. Um, but uh, there was some glaring misses there. Um, oh, gosh, was it Israel's first try was a bit of a waltz in the park. Obviously, Beatham's there as well, and even just the alertness of Kirtley's um, quick tap and try. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to work on, and um, from a Reds perspective, the Tars obviously have the, the buy this weekend to so get the, the uh, a well-deserved break. Um, in saying that, I think they would have liked to maintain a bit of momentum, but... Um, they're off this week, and the Reds have to back up against the Cheetahs. Uh, Gags, anything else you want to say before we move on to next week? Uh, no, except for probably one of the most funniest things that I've seen. Uh, I didn't see it live, but I only saw the screen grab since. Um, and I real and I understand it's not, it, it wasn't doctored. Was Czech's poker face? Oh. <laughs> what what the hell was that? That was hilarious. It, 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 was. It, it was. It's one thing to say to a team, oh, guys, I want you to go out there, I want a poker face, okay? 
Um, everyone have a poker face. Don't show any emotion. But to draw a picture of what a poker face looks like. <laughs> I, but I, this would have been my exact reaction if he brought that out pre-match. Yeah. Well, I would have just broken down into tears of laughter. Do you think they're just taking the? Do you think they're taking the piss? He, he apparently he's blown up since and said that's outrageous that anyone's seen uh, my IP. But um, <laughs> you know. Do you think maybe they're just taking the piss? They're just going, oh, come on, let's, let's, you know, let's shit everybody up, think that we actually draw <laughs> pictures of stick men with poker faces? I wouldn't uh, be surprised. I, I thought it might have been like one of those old Mr. Squiggle Squiggles and it was actually a little backline move with this, this guy's is the X and we're going to go around there and this is the line and he realised the camera was on and then quickly drew a circle around it and made it into a face. But, um, <laughs> I, I just thought Michael Cheeker was a Lady Gaga fan and, you know, that, that's fine. Yeah, hey. rugby's a modern game. Mate, if that's the result he gets, then uh, yeah. you know, that, then that's what you want. I mean, just talking about him for a second, though, is it was really interesting what um, uh, you know, Mr. Lahif uh, in the Jabba Sabavid said uh, earlier about what um, you know the the kind of the, the vibe that's going on there from Totality Tony um, with the with the Rebels as a coach is how you know the boys just really want to play for him, right? Um, and just really want to do well for him. He, think he's a top guy, you know, just you know, basically want to please him. And anyone I, you know, when you talk to people who know people play, or guys working, playing at the Tars, um, they say the same thing about checks. They all just, you know, would do anything, you know, for checks to think they've done a good job. Um, you know, and I, there's obviously something, you know, there's something about the guys who've just got that right. And my take on that also is, because we've had, you know, Tony McGann on the podcast and he, he, he keeps it pretty, you know, his philosophy seems to be a pretty simple one, you know, as far as what he wants people to do. And he's like, just make it clear what the guys have got to do. Checks is exactly the same as well. And, you know, you get a feeling that they kind of blow away this whole philosophy of, oh, players have to be involved in all the decisions about everything and be able to think their way through everything. I get a feeling those guys just say, guys, here are the three simple things you need to do. Get out there and do it. Um, and we're going to train our asses off to make sure we can do it well. And it seems to me that everyone's happy. Um, yeah, you, you're right. You do that. It's, and it's the other interesting thing about that comment about Chico and that comment about uh, Bumper is the new role of the of the the modern era of coach. No longer are you just a good tactician, or you know you can communicate well with your players. You are the CEO of the rugby organisation of that organize, of of that team you're playing for. Yeah. Max said it in terms of. You know, he's come in and 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 uh, he's created this uh, environment there at the Rebels where it's very professional, it's very high performance focused. There's no doubt Chica's done that at the um, at the Waratahs. Link did it early on at the Reds, and and Jake White did it very successfully there at the Brumbies. Uh, it's probably something that's lacking out there at the West at the moment. But it's it's really a coach who can come in and, and do more than just coach the guys on the footy field. It's about how he shapes the organisation around him. So it's a big ask. Yeah. No, but but I mean, you, it's great when you hear about guys, you know, getting it right. And it was clear that the Brumbies had that, um, at least in the last couple of years. And um, you know, anyway, I'm, uh, there's no reason why it shouldn't be, I, we guess, going forward. But yeah, it's to see that going through the, you know, the uh, organisations where it, it had been pretty patchy for for quite a few years. So to, to hear these sorts of stories are great. Yep, great. Well, we're going to move on to round four now, guys, and we're we'll just go around the table and have a quick. Um, update on the games uh, coming up. Uh, I want to hear your perception of it. Uh, any changes to your team? How you think it's going to play? Um, before we, we might just touch on some general rugby news that's happening at the moment. At the end, 
First game of the round is uh, uh, Hurricanes versus Brumbies. Steve, travelling over to uh, Wellington there at Westpac Stadium to take on that Canes. What's your, what's your read this week? The big question, I guess, I've got who's going to play seven? Yeah, well, that's the very big question this week. I can pretty much say Pocock won't be playing because he would have barely trained this week because it's been a, a short week for the Brumbies because they travelled back from Perth before heading over to New Zealand tomorrow. So they've only had really had uh, two days training. Uh, I think the front runner at this stage for the seven is, is Jared Butler to fill in for David Pocock. Now, there are rumours floating around that George Smith just will happen to be in the country next week. So we'll wait and see there, but who knows? I uh, don't know if they'll get that favour again. Um, so if Butler goes to seven, who goes to eight? Yeah, that's that's another good. That's a, that's a I guess another missing puzzle yeah, in there. Okay. Um, I'd say, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the team won't be announced till tomorrow, yeah. but there's a few options there, I guess. Um, maybe uh, Moen might might drop back to eight with Fardy going to six, yeah. and another second rower coming in in Leon Power to partner Sam Carter. Yep. Uh, there's a few options there at least. Um, and in the back line, I think Pat McKay is, is being considered to, to play. So um, we'll wait and see. Like I said, the team will be announced on Thursday for that one. Right. And so what, what's the feel? You think you guys have got the, uh, the Hurricanes measure? Uh, well, the Hurricanes have travelled back from Cape Town where they narrowly lost yep. to the Stormers in the last few minutes there. So hopefully they're a little tired and you know, playing on a, on a Friday, uh, one less day to recover for them. So you know, a couple of years ago, they, the Brumbies went over there after losing um, Tamua and Leo Lafano and uh, rookie 10, Zach Holmes, came in and tore up the, the game. So, But he's not there this time. But hopefully that, that same sort of mentality can be instilled again this week and get one over the Hurricanes in the Caketon. Uh, all right, lads, uh, around the ground, Matt, what do you reckon for this game? Who are you tipping? Well, mate, I've seen absolutely bugger all of the, the Hurricanes this year, um, as you'd expect from somebody who comes into a podcast to tell everyone about rugby. Um, <laughs> so, uh, hard hard to say. Brumbies produced one of the best half an hour of rugby you could see in Super Rugby, but they went to sleep. Uh, I, I'm not still not completely convinced. Oh, I I really don't know. I'd probably go... If I was tipping, I'd probably go um, home team. Interesting. Uh, what about you, Stu? Um... It's going to be very, I reckon it'll be a very dour game because, as we mentioned, the Brumbies are coming from Perth and the Hurricanes are coming from Cape Town. So there are going to be a lot of very tired boys there towards the end. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go the Hurricanes as well, not convincingly. All right, I'm going to even it up. I'm going to go the Brumbies for no apparent reason, maybe just the fact they've had less travel. Um, and, you know, the Canes, it's a massive trip back. But... Uh, uh, we'll look forward to seeing what happens there. First game of the round on Friday afternoon. Following that will be the Reds versus the Cheetahs at Suncorp Stadium. So the Reds playing their first home game of the season, which I am uh, monumentally excited about. Uh, get to take all my kids to the family, to the game, which is fantastic. It's ladies round, um, which is in recognition of all the mums out there who have helped their boys, uh, whether they be at the... The canteen at Club Rugby or driving to training or sign up to Rookies to Reds. It's going to be a great game. They've made plenty of changes to Reds. Um, so across the board, um, they've got some injury. Uh, James Slippers seems, is now on the bench. I think that's more injury-related than anything. So Ben Daly's going to be starting. 
the board in Chris Tour and Mike Harris back into the centres uh, for so Benny Tappaway and Anthony Fanger on the bench. And Lockie Turner, unfortunately, has got to be out injured. And uh, Rocket Rod Davies comes into the starting side. So, you know, there's changes there. I talked about in the, the review of the Waratah game that I thought we lacked a bit of something, a bit of oomph or something up there. I like that team a little bit better. Uh, Chris S2 in the centres, uh, although he didn't have a, a fantastic game last week. I think if he knows he's in the starting team this week, he should really take it to the boys from 13 uh, on Friday night. Uh, I like uh, Daly starting. He's going to be tested at scrum time, but he's a fantastic player around the field. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad to see him there. And the Rocket, who's been carrying them up to Queensland, a eh? um, long distance tries and, and and whatnot. And um, I'm excited to see him back in the field too. The Cheetahs, I know, have a couple of injury concerns, a couple of key ones. Haven't named their team yet, or at least I haven't seen it. So we'll see how they they fare. They're obviously coming on back um, off the. The loss to the Rebels, so they'll be hurting. It's just uh, their injuries will be significant. So I'm going to tip the Reds by plenty. Uh, you lads, Matt, what do you think? Well, you know, I I get last week I actually tipped the Cheetahs, did I? Yeah, I think I did. But then I didn't tip them on, on the podcast. But then I didn't tip them uh, in the tipping. Uh, look, uh, I just I just think this Cheetahs side is better than they've looked so far. Um, and you know, maybe they've had a bit more time in the country. Um, who knows what they might do? Yeah, you talk about daily. So who's daily in for in the, in the slipper? Scrum? Slipper's on the bench. Oh, so, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. So Holmes is playing tight head, and and Dale's at loose head. Yeah, I, you know, I think that I think he does take away at scrum time. So we'll see what happens there. Look, I'll go for the Reds at home. I think they'll you know get back up after last week, but uh, I don't know. Cheetahs could um, could push them. Yeah, that's fair call, Stu. Um. Yeah, like like Gags, I think the uh, I think the cheaters were better than what they showed uh, last week. Um, I think their forward pack, especially, was was very good, um, but their backs are a bit outclassed. So they could definitely get something out of this game. Uh, I think the Reds will win, but I think the cheaters will pick up a bonus point. Right, and Steve, I think the Reds are going to get this one. I think the, the cheaters. Last week were pretty ordinary, uh, even though, as well as the Rebels were good. Uh, then just with their injury concerns with the Cheetahs, they've got um, a few, a few uh, star players there in doubt. Um, and Cooney used Tyson, who probably shouldn't even be playing anyway after a little headbutt incident wow, last week. Mm. That was ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then you've got uh, Lavish Gagne, I think that's how you say it. And uh, they have the winger, Rule, uh, injured in, or in doubt at least, so... Uh, there, are, there are a couple of the key players there, so I, I think they're probably enjoying the hospitality on the Gold Coast, and that's probably where it ends before they head to New Zealand. Well, it's good to get the money in those strip bars, though. <laughs> Anything to help the economy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, okay, so that's uh, Red Cheetahs. Ladies' Day, remember to get out there. Uh, next match is uh, on Saturday. Saturday, uh, the Crusaders take on the Stormers over there in Christchurch. Although, I see there's bad flooding in Christchurch at the moment. Yeah. I'm not sure... Could be a game of water polo if, uh, if after the seeing the rain there yesterday. Yeah, terrible stuff for our Christchurch listeners. Um, we hope you're all okay. Uh, then we move on to the Force versus Rebels, the only uh, local derby of the round from an Australian perspective over there in Perth. Uh, what's your feelings, Stu? You guys are pretty confident, obviously. Well, this is one of those few games in history where the Rebels should win. 
and they go into a game thinking they should win. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do. Uh, yeah, across the park, they are they look dominant on paper. Um, uh, just as, especially the quick and phased movement of the ball should lead to them putting uh, points and points on uh, on the force. But you know, it, rugby's an interesting game. Who knows what could happen? Um, you know, the force might be uh, might be ready to pull out a a performance from absolutely nowhere. I'm, I'm going to tip us, um, but I'm not as confident as I perhaps should be. You Mate, got no just, no injury concerns, sorry, Stu? No, no injury concerns. Um, I think they'll name uh, the same team as last week. Um, I think the only person whose spot would be up for grabs is uh, is Lockie Mitchell, um, and that's just because we have a whole heap of wingers who are who are on form. So I think um, I think it was Roberts who came on for him uh, towards the end of the game. Um, so that might they may swap. Um, but there's no pressing changes for the Rebels. They'll they'll go in probably as named last week. Yeah, and I don't think we can say the same for the Force. I think there'll be changes there. I've got no idea what they'll be. Um, we'll find that out Thursday, I'd suggest. But what it should be noted, and I'm assuming he does get picked, their captain, uh, Matty Hodgson, at his 100th game this weekend. So we wish Matty all the best. Um, he's been a fantastic uh, toiler for the Force over there. Um, and uh, for his sake, I hope the, the four stand up and put in a better performance than last week. Steve, what's your read? The easy one for the Rebels? Or? Um, if, they, if, if you go on the thing of you're only as good as your last game, uh, I think the Rebels will take this one. Um, the force last week, they they were ordinary, to say the least. Uh, I, I do know that the same referees in there that, that the force had last week, so maybe yeah. they've learned a few things about uh, how to... How to play to his interpretations and it is an afternoon game so that's all I can say in the, in the favour of the, of the force at this point and What about you Matt, what's your read? Yeah I've got to go with uh, with the Rebs I think they just, they just look fantastic sounds like they've got a great vibe going in the team uh, it'll be very interesting to see what goes on but I just you know not seeing any options, uh, any attacking options from the force, kind of h- yeah. hard to know how they think they're going to win a lot of games Yeah that's right um, all right, well, that wraps up uh, the Australian games. The other two games for the season, the, well, for the Browns, sorry, the Bulls taking on the Blues over in Pretoria and the Sharks taking on the Lions at Durban with the Chiefs, Highlanders and Waratahs all having the bye. And that, that wraps up round four. Uh, before we uh, we finish up, I just wanted to mention the news today. Andrew Fagan, guys, do you hear this? He's going to be yeah. the new general manager of the AAU national teams and competitions. So... Effectively looking after the Wallabies, Wallaroos, the seventh teams, and importantly the the NRC. What's your read on that, Matt? Well, uh, I, someone who's really in the know, and actually you'll you'll see some um, stuff from this person uh, hopefully over the next couple of weeks with some articles. Somebody who's dealt with him on the other side of negotiation table when it comes to players really rates him. Says he's you know would be the best in Australia when it comes to negotiating talent um, and. If I understand that role, I, well, my guess is that role, I should say, is something akin to maybe a little bit like Nuki used to do, uh, Nuki yeah. used to do, like uh, looking after player talent uh, and that sort of thing. So if that's the case, if that's what the role is, then it sounds to me like the guy, you know, he's got some, um, 
you know, he's got some, you know, good good history there. I think a lot of people are saying that, for example, the Brumbies have, pro- have got one of the cheapest but best player rosters going. Um, and I think he had a lot to do with putting that together. So anyway, um, you know, uh, it, yeah, it, it, I guess it wasn't out of the blue. It was interesting. He was obviously looking for a job. Um, I guess other people would say, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, where are the kind of, where are the people, where are the bums on seats in Canberra? Um, would they really be doing any good if they hadn't sold the family silver? Yeah. Uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So we'll see. There's, I'm yeah. sure there'll be, um, you know, uh, people who are on both sides of that fence. But before we yeah. move on, mate, uh, and on a different... Sorry, can I just add, before we move yeah. on from that, yeah. Hugh's got a quick comment on, on this um, one, Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's good to see Fags uh, still in the system. Um, you know, I, I think he, well, he obviously did some very good things, as Kaz mentioned, with player management. Uh, in the Brumbies, they helped get them to where they are um, or where they got to uh, last year. But um, I was thinking when I heard this uh, heard this news, do you think it explains the delay or the kind of the, the pause in news about the National Rugby Championship? Because we were supposed to hear about it um, at the end of February and it just seems to have been, um, been swept under the carpet a little bit. Um, we assume that that Andrew's role will will have that under its um, under its terms of reference. And yeah, do you think, think that we've waited for someone to head it up before kicking well, on? No. So well. So there's another thing. So there's a story in that um, I've had from at least two, maybe three, and, and and one of them was a very good source talking about what's happening with the NRC, um, and that is it's going to it's taking longer to shake out. Um, than the AOU was hoping. Um, I think in the, the bare bones of it is that the clubs or the people who are putting to, putting the money in to back these franchises, and you've got to put, I think, if, is it $250,000 in or something like that, and then you've got to pay for a bunch of the, the costs. Um, the AOU only pays so much. I, mean, I think basically the nub of it is they're saying, look, no matter what happens, whether the NRC fails and disappears after a year or whether it um, does really well, the ARU doesn't lose in any either situation, so mm. that, that they still make money. But if it goes down the gurgler, those clubs burn their money. Mm. Um, and uh, as I understand it, the their point is: look, this it, the risk can't, can't all be one way. Um, and so, I you know I I've heard some people saying it's dead in the water. Um, I've got other people saying, well, there's just a lot of meat on that bone left to sort out. But you're right; we should have heard about it last week. It's been pushed back. Um, I understand that where you know the AU wanted this tied up, like I say, you know, it, this um, you know at the beginning of this month, and actually we've probably got a, quite a few weeks left to go to sort this out. Um, you know, if the whispers I've heard are right, it's especially the Queensland clubs. I think are really um, you know are, are put out about it. So I think um, yeah, it's I, I hopefully and, and and some people have said oh, I was just dead. Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, other people who are probably closer to the top of the tree that I've talked to have said it's just there's just a lot more negotiation that needs to happen if it is going to go forward. And uh, fingers crossed they can get it sorted. Yeah, that that ownership model just raises uh, red flags for me. You know, having followed the the rebels' issues over the last couple of years, um, you know, I'm having flashbacks to exactly the same conversations that that happened. Um, uh, with Harold Mitchell taking on most of the risk uh, for the Rebels, um, 
and you know arguably not having the support that he should have had from the national body. So you'd hope that they'd learn their lessons from that. Um, but I guess you're right, we'll have to see. Um, but now that we have a man in charge of the competition, um, we should have a way forward. Hopefully. Um, so, Reg, did you, oh, sorry, mate, did you have something on that? No, no, you're right, you go for it. Well, no, I was just a little bit of an announcement, I guess, which is just um, if you're a regular to the site, you've probably seen that Wine Market has been um, uh, sponsoring the site for, for a little bit. I guess I just wanted to draw people's attention to the fact that Wine Market have a competition going, which is a um, uh, all-expenses-paid trip um, to Alaska. Uh, an Alaskan <laughs> adventure. Um, so here, you know, prize includes return flights for two, five nights accommodation, um, two adventure day trips, which could include, for example, um, dog sledding on a glacier. Um, yeah, so sounds absolutely fantastic. All you have to do to get into it is actually just like or share their Facebook page. Even better, um, buy some of these cases that they've got. I mean, there's a, uh, you know, in my experience in Australia these days, like to get a bottle of wine costs you 20 bucks um, almost no matter what you do. These guys have got cases that are averaging at under 10 bucks for wines that should be costing 20 in the store. So yeah, right. yeah go and have a look. Um, and they've got them packaged up. I'm actually ripping into a ledge gripper is the name of the nice. case. Um, so it's all right. But anyway, there you go. Like the page and you could be on your way to Alaska. So give it, have a look. No, it's good, guys, and we know you're all good supporters of Green and Gold Rugby, so get out there and support the guys and support us. Um, and uh, get out there and support rugby this weekend. If you're in Perth or that area or Brisbane and, around, and the surrounds, get out to watch the Force take on the the, Brum, uh, the Rebels, sorry, and obviously the Reds take on the Cheetahs. The rest of you can stay at home. More times, you guys have a week off. Uh, the rest of you guys watch it on Fox, but get out to the game if you can. I know there's a lot of club rugby trials starting this weekend up in... Queensland, I'm sure it's probably similar in Sydney and around the country, so get out and watch some rugby, enjoy it. To Matt, Stu and Steve, thanks for your time again tonight, you enjoy it? Awesome. Yep. It was good fun. All right, I was guys. optimistic. <laughs> thanks for your hat. We'll help, guys, and we'll see you guys next week. Right, see you in Alaska. <laughs> Ciao. See ya. Seven left.